Thank you for joining our broadcast today at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Please take a minute to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us bring God's word to other people. You can go to our website at citylifechurch.cc to find the giving options that works best for you. Now in today's message, Pastor Tony will be delivering an encouraging word that we know is going to touch your life. We pray that you listen with expectation, believing that everything you need from God, he's going to do it. Enjoy today's message. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I love what one translation says. It says, seek first God's kingdom. And everything else will fall in place. Jesus began to teach his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. And we read this beautiful prayer last week. And we're going to read it again in a few moments. You know, prayer sometimes is a challenge. I don't know about you. But there are moments in my prayer journey that I I intend to pray. And uh, I, I start to pray and I get sleepy. Anybody ever done that? Oh, don't worry, the disciples fell asleep. You're in good company, you know. So I get sleepy, you know, all the thoughts run through my mind about, you know, I got to take out the trash, I got to do this. You know, I'm just being honest with you today. I mean, I wish I would say, you know what, I get, you know, down and I pray an hour straight and next thing I know, sometimes I get down to pray or I just in a mode of prayer and everything begins to invade my mind. Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray and prayer sometimes it can be hard to grasp because we're communicating with God. We're communicating with uh, the creator of the universe. But when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he started telling them to make it personal. I read a story not long ago, and it was about a young minister. He was new at a church, and a lady asked him to go visit her father that was in the hospital, elderly gentleman. He went by, knocked on the door, opened the door, and the older gentleman wasn't, you know, in a real happy mood. He said, who is it? Young pastor stuck his head in. The guy said, come on in. And um, he said, you must have, I'm, I'm pastor of a church. I, said, I guess you're expecting me. I see a chair. He said, oh, no, the chair. Come in, close the door. He said, let me tell you about the chair. He said, matter of fact, you can sit in the chair. He said, when I was a young man, he said, I, uh, I, I really struggled with prayer and how to pray. I went to my pastor And he gave me a book by a Swiss theologian. He said, I read three pages and I put it on the shelf. He said, it was so foreign to me. I didn't understand it. And for years, I had no prayer life. For years, I struggled on how to pray. And I encountered a gentleman that had a strong prayer life. God had done some great things in his life. He had great testimonies of God's provision and how God spoke to him. And he said, I began to ask him one day. And I told him my struggle with prayer. And he said, you know how I started praying? He said, I set an empty chair there and I talked to God like I was talking to you. And I just began to have a conversation with God. And he said, I started that almost 50 years ago and I've been talking to an empty chair ever since. He said, now I can talk to this chair for hours on end. I've had some great conversations this week in the hospital. Now he said, when my daughter comes around, I don't talk to the chair much. I'm afraid she'll send me away or something. 
But he said, I, I talked to this chair, and I just imagine God is sitting in it. And we have great conversation, just as I'm having with you. They had a great conversation. They prayed together. A day later, the young daughter called the pastor. He said, I, I just wanted to inform you, my father, not long after you left, passed away. He said, his story so impacted me. And that brought me to tears. He said, you know, how did he go? He said, you know, he just fell asleep in the middle of the night. We came in and found him in the hospital room. He said it was the craziest thing, though. She said, when we found him, he was out of bed and his head was laying in that old chair that was in the room. Jesus began to teach his disciples how to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, holy is your name. Your name is holy. You are holy. You lack nothing. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He began to teach them how to pray. He said, when you come into God's presence, come in in personal relationship and ask him that his kingdom would come because if his kingdom arrives, his will is done. Before you ask for daily provisions, what you need today, before you ask him to help you manage your relationships and walk in a spirit of forgiveness, and before you ask him to help you receive forgiveness, before you ask him to keep you from temptation, invite his kingdom in. Because if his kingdom ever arrives, it will help you steward the daily bread he gives you. It will help you live out the relationships that he puts in your life. It will help you receive forgiveness so that you can walk in a place of wholeness. It will keep you from the evil one because the evil one can never penetrate the kingdom of God. He said, so when you walk in, walk in in a personal relationship. Invite his kingdom because his kingdom will unfold his plan and his will for your life. But then when you end, remind him that you know that it's his kingdom and it's his power and it's his glory forever and forever. Amen. I told you last week three things that we have to grasp if we're ever going to walk in a kingdom place of empowerment. First, we have to realize real quickly that this is the place. Somebody say, this is the place. Wherever you are in life, wherever God has you right now is the place. Even though you may wish you were somewhere else, this is the place. Even though you may wonder about another place, this is the place. If you fail to grasp where you are right now, you will miss what God is going to do in your season. But not only is this the place, now is the time. So many people wait for some right time. So many people wait for everything to align when God says, I want you to understand that I'm working right now. I'm moving right now. Not only is this the place, now is the time. Somebody say, now is the time. But here's the greatest revelation you and I have to grasp. I am the one. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 15, ordinary people, you're the one. You did not choose me, I chose you. I ordained you, I'm setting you up. Everything I'm doing around you, is a template of what I'm going to do in you. Everything you see around you is about what I'm eventually going to do in you. And in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the writer tells us this. 
For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is not eating and drinking. It's not what you have, what you wear, what you drive, where you live, the status you have, the followers you have acquired on social media, the likes you have attained, what you eat, what you drink. It's about the things that have been put in your spirit to deliver God's kingdom in the earth. He said, first, it's righteousness, the rightness of God. The rightness of God. The righteousness of God. Matter of fact, the Bible tells me that I become clothed in the righteousness of God. The rightness of God will help you live right. We need a revival of just living right, amen? We need power to live right. We need power to do the right thing, to say the right thing. The rightness of God will allow you to live a journey and and overcome things that you will never overcome in your own power. You will never be free from in your own mind. The rightness of God, living the righteousness of God. But he said, it's not just the rightness of God. I'm going to give you wisdom to make right decisions and right choices. But he didn't stop at righteousness. He said, there's peace. I love what the Bible teaches us as he teaches us to trust him and and rest in him. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus begins to talk with his disciples. He's getting ready to leave them. And this is what he said. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. I'm giving you a peace that is riveted into your spirit. So let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. This is what he says. He said, I'm giving you a peace. I'm allowing my peace to be rooted into your spirit. You see, if you live by the world's standard of peace and what it allows, you live in a state of happiness, but it's fleeting. I'm telling you, you can be happy today and sad tomorrow. One phone call changed my world. I was preaching at our old campus. Great services, had a big celebration after church. Walked out in one phone call. I just found out that on the way home from church, my youngest sister was killed in a head-on collision in Dallas, Texas. Over a decade ago, one moment, we just left the presence of God. We just left a great moment of celebration. Church was full. You know, things were great. But one phone call changed my world. But you know what happened? In that moment, I wasn't happy. But there was a peace. First of all, she knew Jesus. That's the greatest peace Second, I knew Jesus. There was a peace in my life, even though I didn't have the answers for the moment. You can be happy today. Happiness is fleeting. Jesus said, oh, not like the world gives you. Not like the world. Because Philippians chapter 4, the writer tells me in verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Here it is, through Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I'm riveting my peace into you. It's not like the world gives because it'll give it to you and then snatch it from you, but I put a peace in your spirit so you don't have to worry about anything, but in every situation and in every circumstance you can come to me, not just in prayer, but a spirit of thanksgiving. I do not thank you for walking through the season of cancer, but I thank you that you are with me in the season of cancer. I do not thank you for what, I do not thank you for the breakup or the relationship disaster, but I thank you that right in the middle of that dark hour, you were right there. I don't thank him for 
everything that I've been through, but I do thank Him for this, that in all things He has never left me. He has never been absent. He is always there. He said, I'm giving you peace. He said, there is the rightness of God in the kingdom. There is the peace of God in the kingdom. But He did not even stop there. He said, the joy of the Lord is released in the kingdom. And the Bible said, the joy of the kingdom is my strength. The Bible teaches me that He gives me strength to believe for greater things. He gives me strength to stand when I've done all to stand. He gives me strength to be able to fight the good fight of faith. And He gives me strength to win because He tells me I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, we need a revival and a season of renewal where the joy of God rises in us so that we can leave this room and walk into wherever God has assigned us and be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. He said in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, he's about to equip the believer in the armor of God and he said, finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. He goes on to say when you've done all to stand, he said stand. He said rise up and go to battle. I want you know, I've given you strength to fight. I've given you strength to prevail. I've given you strength to, come on if you believe you're victorious, put your hands together. One day the religious people come to Jesus and they're setting him up, trying to trick him because they've heard he's the Messiah, the king of glory in the flesh, and they're asking him where his kingdom is. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, the Bible says, when the Pharisees asked when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they see Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is in you. Everything Jesus did with this group of believers was to set them up for the release of his spirit that would empower their life. The Bible said every miracle, every teaching, every message of the kingdom was preparing them because these were weak men. I mean, every time he turned around, they were gone. They were denying him. They were betraying him. They had insecurities. Got Peter off the fishing boat. Every time he turned around, Peter was back on the fishing boat. Jesus would show up, call his name, do a miracle, and say, Peter, there's greater things. But they were, they were human like us. They had issues. But now watch. The Bible said fear has been broken. Jesus had given them a word to wait on his power because his kingdom was about to be released. And he told them to wait. And as the power was released, they would have authority and strength to be witnesses. They're waiting. They're watching. They're looking. They're in prayer. They're in the right place. It is the right time. And they finally grasped that they were the right people. And the Bible said in Acts chapter 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And I love this. The Bible said it filled the whole house. I love corporate worship. I love when when they quit singing and you start singing. I love corporate worship. I love when we, but how many of you understand your corporate worship is not enough for you to live a kingdom empowered life. 
corporate worship is awesome, but this is what the Bible said. It filled the whole house. The house was full. I love when the presence of God fills this house or any church setting or any setting that I'm in. I love that corporate experience. But then the Bible said tongues as a fire set upon each of them. Why did they need a personal experience? Because God had deposited something in each of them. There was an assignment and kingdom purpose, a will to be done on earth as it was in heaven. And God was getting ready to release that which he had in store for them so they need because they were going to go to different homes they were going to walk out different assignments they all had different tasks they all had different struggles they all had different makeup and the bible said it sat on each of them and boldness rose up and they broke up out of an upper room and they changed and turned the world upside down my prayer for you and i in 2019 that the kingdom of god in us would break out and it would change the environment in which we live Tampa would be different because of City Life Church. Your home would be different because you are in that house. Your world would be different because you are in that world. When you understand that he looked at these disciples and said, there's a kingdom that is moving and it is now arrived and it's not going to be around you, but it's going to be in you. And when it breaks out, it's going to come in power and God's will is going to explode and your daily needs, they'll be met. Forgiveness, it'll be released. The tempter will be silenced on your behalf, but never forget that it's his kingdom and it's his glory and it's his power forever and forever. If we ever think we can do it by ourselves, we miss the mark. But when we rise up and say, I can't do it without you. I can't do it without your presence. I can't do it without your power. He rushes in and reminds me that I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I don't know where you're at right now, but this is going to be a great season for your life because Christ is in this season. I don't know what you're facing, but you are more than an overcomer because Christ is in this season. I was reading through some old messages and getting ready for this and just reading through some old stories and I was reminded of a story that I've told some time back, but it was an evangelist that I met when I was just a young kid. And um, he was an older evangelist at that time in his 70s. And he was just a great man of faith, believed, and had just a heart of faith. And just, just saw many miracles done in his life. I remember him telling a story about when he was just a young man. It sounds crazy. But Evangelist Walker said he was just a young man. He was about 19 years old. And he was traveling all over the United States. He was in the faith movement. 50s, 60s. And he said one night after church, a lady came and handed him the keys to a brand new car. It said a beautiful black Cadillac. So this is years ago. And he said, she said, God just said to give you this car for the work of the ministry. He said, I named her Betsy. He said, I was single. It was me and Betsy on the road. So he said, me and Betsy, we traveled all over together. He said, I had to watch telling people Betsy was waiting on me to go because I was a single young evangelist. But he said, Betsy and me traveled all over the United States preaching. So one night I was in New Mexico. And he said, I was preaching at a church and I had to be in Arizona the next day for a meeting. He said, I jumped in the car after church, said goodbye to the pastor. God had just showed up in a great way, and he said, I headed out. He said, I was just still in the presence of God. He said, I drove for about an hour into the New Mexico desert, and I realized 
I had forgot to get gas. He said, sure enough, I looked down and Betsy was on E. He said, before long, Betsy began to sputter. Because I found myself in the middle of nowhere, out of gas. You ever been there? In the middle of nowhere, in line, out of gas. He said, I thought, well, I'm going to have to walk to a station. He said, I get out and I begin to walk. He said, I get to the top of a hill. I've walked about a mile. He said, it's pitch black. If you've ever been in the New Mexico desert, there's not much out there. He said, it's pitch black. He said, I got scared. I ran back to Betsy, rolled up the windows, locked all the doors. Said, I feel like I'll wait till somebody drives by. Nobody came. Said about an hour later, he said, I got mad. I said, Lord, I'm preaching your gospel and you gave me this car and you did not even remind me to get gas. (laughs) Anybody ever been there? I have. Please forgive me, Lord. You didn't remind me to get gas. He said, I sat there and stewed for a while and he said, finally the Holy Spirit in a small, gentle voice began to ask me. He said, Jerry, you just preached about the authority of the kingdom of God. He said, you just preached about power at our disposal. He said, do you preach it or do you believe it? He said, this sounds foolish. And he said, you may not believe this. But he said, it was a marking moment in my ministry. He said, it was supernatural. He said, I got out of the car in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night. He said, I laid my hands on Betsy. I said, Lord, I need you to fill Betsy's tank and get me to a station. He said, this sounds crazy. He said, I got behind the wheel. But how many of know there's crazy stories in the Bible? He said, I got behind the wheel, started her up. Betsy began to sputter, and finally she fired up. He said, I drove all night. I drove all night through the desert. Finally, the next morning, I saw a sign for a gas station as I crested a hill. I pulled in. He said, man, I was on another level. He said, my faith. He said, man, I'm just telling you, I preached a great sermon. But he said, God had just filled my car with gas in the middle of no. He said, my faith was at another level. He said, I was afraid to tell anybody about it. I think I was crazy or something. He said, but I knew what God had done. He said, I grabbed my little bag. He said, I was going to go freshen up. He said, this is the time where they still pump your gas. He said, years ago, he said, an older gentleman came out and he said, son, what can I do? I said, you know, I fill her up. I'm on empty. He said, he began to pump the gas. I went in to the bathroom, combed my hair, brushed my teeth, getting ready to go meet the pastor of my next meeting. He said, as I was just rejoicing and I I was getting ready to go, I realized when I looked in my wallet, there was no cash. He said, all I had was a check from a church in New Mexico. He said, I didn't realize I had no cash. He said, I thought, Lord, you've got me to this gas station, but they are going to lock me up. It's going to be like a Paul and Silas prison ministry. You know, you've got me here. I have no money. He said, I walked out after stewing for a while, and God reminded me and asking me, he said, I got you from the middle of nowhere to this point. Can you trust me to get you from here to where you're going? And he said, I didn't know how, but I just said, Lord, I trust you. He said, I walked out, and he said, I had this old guy doing everything he could to the car. I had him checking the tires, washing the windows, checking the wiper blades, checking the oil, anything I could do to stall. Finally, he looked and said, I don't think I can do anything else to the car. He said, but you know, this is a beautiful car. What do you do for a living? He said, I told him, I said, I'm a a minister. I'm a preacher. He looked at the car, looked at me. He said, this is years ago. He said, what kind of preacher? He said, I'm a spirit-filled Pentecostal preacher. He said, really? I said, yeah, a full gospel preacher. He said, wow. He said, let me ask you a question. 
He said, I go to a church here in town, and they're having what they call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, now, our pastor and our elders don't believe it's for today. And they're asking people to leave our church, and it's spreading like fire. And he said, but let me tell you this. There are people that come in this gas station that I've known for 40 years. He said, and they have been miserable for 40 years. But now that they have experienced the Holy Spirit, he said, they come in here and they look, uh, there's a smile on their face. I see people that were married, couldn't stand each other, and they look like they're on their honeymoon. I see young people that were addicted to drugs and something has freed them. He said, I don't know what it is, but I see a change in their life. Do you think Jesus would give me the Holy Spirit? He said, I forgot about the gas. I said, I don't think I know. The Bible said it's for whosoever will. He said, we walked in his little gas station and he said, I was old school, so I thought we had to anoint him with oil. So he said, the only thing I could find was motor oil. <laughs> said, I dipped my finger in motor oil. I touched the man on the head. I said, in the name of Jesus, be filled with the spirit. He said, he fell out. Nobody told him to. He began to speak in the most beautiful heavenly language I had ever heard. He said it was like the power of God hit that little gas station like a lightning bolt. He said he laid there about 15 minutes. I thought, Lord, you need to get him up. If the police show up, they're going to think I robbed this place. (laughs) Finally, he staggered up. And I helped him up. He said, I've never felt anything like that. I've never felt peace and joy. I've never felt so clothed in the presence of God. But he said, while I was laying there, I heard a voice so clear, just like I'm speaking to you. He said, I'm not sure if it was the Holy Spirit or not. I'm not sure if it was the Holy Ghost or not. He said, well, what did it say? It told me to buy your gas today and for the next year. Jerry said, that's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) See, listen, what you have to understand, it's not what's around you. It's not where you're walking. It's not what you're fighting. It's who's fighting for you. Because he said it's in you. There is joy in you. There is peace in you. There is righteousness in you. And it's by the moving of the Holy Spirit. Come on, jump to your feet all over the room today. Put your hands together and give him honor. My suggestion for you would be to stop by the gas station today. (laughs) But hey, if your face at another level, go with God. That's what we're going to do today. I'm going to ask the team to come. I'm going to ask our pastors and our prayer team. A little bit different. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then they're going to lead us in worship. And just maybe you're here today. Just maybe you would say, Pastor, I feel, you know, I love Jesus, I love God, but maybe I'm in the middle of nowhere on empty right now. Maybe you're out of gas. Maybe you just need God to refill you with the Spirit. Maybe you're here and you just say, Pastor, I need to be filled with the Spirit of God. I come to church, but He doesn't go home with me. I love the corporate outpouring, but when I leave, I feel personally weak. We're going to pray that today when you leave, there's a marking moment in your life. Because I don't want you just to experience a corporate outpouring of God's presence. I want him to rest on you. I want him to rest on you. I want him to saturate you. Because the Bible says when you go after the things of God, everything else Some of you right now are trying to put the things together and it's not working. 
Some of you are trying to put all the pieces together and they don't fit. But what if you just begin to seek God in his presence, in his kingdom, and allow him to put the pieces of the puzzle together? You know, when God puts the pieces together, sometimes he takes the middle piece and it looks like it connects to nothing. And he puts it right in the middle. And then he takes another one, he puts it over here, and it looks like it connects to nothing. And then one way over here, I like to put a border because I need an outline and a framework. I said, oh, no, I have saw the picture already. I see you in your completed form. And what happens is my spirit begins to draw all the pieces. My kingdom begins to bring. That's why Jesus said when you get the kingdom in place, he said your daily provisions, they are taken care of. Forgiveness is released. The tempter is put on hold. Everything you need is put in place so you can just stand up and say, for it's your kingdom and your power and your glory forever and forever. Amen. Somebody needs the kingdom to invade their home, invade their family, invade their finance. Some of you need the kingdom just to revolutionize your life. What if today was the day God poured his spirit out and invaded your world and 2019 became a year like none other ever before? What if he marked you with his favor and marked you with his grace and marked you with his mercy and declared things that you cannot even dream of. Your kingdom come. Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayers that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. We also want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday or Wednesday worship experiences. You can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc. You can also download the City Life app on your smartphones or tablets for more online messages. It was great worshiping with you today, and we'll see you next time.